0: Welcome to the New Hope Church podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a six-part series titled Finding Favor. Here is this week's message from our pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly. Good morning again. How are you guys doing? Welcome. Welcome to the church. Welcome to New Hope. We're glad you are here. I want to give a warm welcome one more time. I probably don't need to do this, but I just feel led to do it. To Aaliyah. You remember Aaliyah? And Aaliyah is uh, the daughter of the king who was released from NCCIW, and uh, she is here today, and we welcome you. And you might, you might recall that I um, asked if anybody could get her a ride over from Raleigh because she, she didn't have a car. Um, you don't need to worry about that because later on that day, a new hoper stepped forward to the stage here, grabbed me up to the surface, said, I'll buy her a car. And uh, he's already bought her a car. And... Uh, Guys, there, there's nothing like the church. Nothing like the church when she's working right. Nothing like it. So welcome, Aaliyah. Glad you're here. Welcome to uh, the NCCIW ladies over there. And uh, when and if you get out, we sure want you to know you are welcome here anytime. Amen, church? Amen. So we welcome you. Welcome to Garner Campus. Uh, they just announced, by the way, they're going to three services. Yeah. They, they, they just out of room, out of room. Um, so we celebrate that with you guys, and we welcome the coffee house community upstairs that uh, is just continuing to do their thing up there. Welcome one, welcome all, we are glad you are here. Hey, before I jump into uh, wrapping up, finding favor, I want to uh, get you to take out your bulletin, take out your bulletin, and in the middle, you're going to see all the events of Holy Week, all the events of Holy Week. I'm talking April 1st, that's Palm Passion Sunday, we have a baptism, if you haven't been baptized or you can't remember your baptism or it didn't mean anything to you, listen, 3 p.m. on Palm Sunday, April 1st, get baptized in the name of Jesus. And then there's just all kinds of events that follow. I'm doing something new this year. I've never done this before here. I am going to invite you out on Thursday of Holy Week for Monday Thursday. Those of you who grew up in the traditional church will know that language. Guys, let me go and warn you. There's going to be nothing fancy about this night. There's not going to be a band. There's not going to be moving lights. There's going to be me and a table and a loaf of bread and a chalice of wine, and that's all we need. And if you want to have Holy Communion, well, we might have grape juice. I'll, I'll make a decision. Um, but what you're welcome, is my point. I, it does, it, if only one person shows up, it, it's okay. I'm just going to have communion on the night that Jesus washed feet and uh, started Holy Communion. And if you want to join me for that, that's there. That's at 7 p.m. Monday, Thursday. Then Good Friday, you know how we do Good Friday around here. Oh, Lord, Good Friday is going to be incredible. And uh, we got multiple services there, three this year, three Good Friday services. Then we got an Easter outreach deal. And then we got Easter celebrations. Notice all the times I'm talking sunrise at 645. I'm talking 815. I'm talking 1010. Uh, I'm talking noon. And I'm talking 2 p.m. I'm talking two coffee houses. I mean, that's just at Central Campus. There's all kinds of stuff, and we're kicking all of that off, check it out, we're kicking all of that off next Sunday with the series that we're about to do called Miracles, and they produced, they, the technicians of our church, produced, I believe, the best promo video uh, we've ever had for a series, and I want you to check it out. Here we go. Monday, we still serve a miracle working God. Amen, church? Do you believe that? We're going to take the four weeks building up to Easter and we're going to look at four amazing miracles. We're going to study them in the, in the New Testament, Jesus miracles, and it's going to culminate on Easter Sunday morning when we celebrate the greatest miracle of all time, the resurrection, hello, of Jesus Christ. Christ, Invite your friends. It starts next Sunday. You do not want to miss it. Okay, so I started this series six weeks ago. This has been a six-weeker. How many of you have been blessed by the Finding Favor series? Good, good, good. I, I'm going to I'm I'm, I'm take that that you're just a little lethargic. Um, bless me and all the other teachers who have taught. How many of you really, and I'm not, I'm not asking for anything more than what you've experienced. Have you been blessed from the series? Have you been blessed? I hear the stories, and it really is, it it has been amazing, as people have shared. And I shared the very first week, you might recall, I shared with you, confessionally and um, at risk of sounding like I think I'm special because I made it clear that day that I don't, but I shared with you how for, um, for 22 years now, I've experienced the favor of God in my life, and I never knew how to articulate it or define it. And I shared all those situations where Amy's been with me. And people have come up to us in public. And spoken favor over my life. And, and, and I, it took me 18 years to start to get to hold of what I was actually experiencing. And it was this biblical concept of favor. And I wasn't experiencing it because I'm special. Because I'm not. I was experiencing it because I was just stupid enough. Hello. Hello to take some teachings that great pastors had spoken into my life, I was just crazy enough, just radical enough to say, hey, if God said it, I need to do it. And even though it might not make sense, and it might be counterintuitive, and it might be against the flesh and and all of those things, I was just going to try to do it. And I was exposing myself to the favor of God without even knowing it. And so many of you have started to do the same thing. And so today, I was going to offer you a review of every Sunday, but God would not let me do that. I said, no, you got, you got one more thing to teach to them. So I'm not going to offer you a review. The entire series is in the Resource Center today. They're able to put it all together today, even today's message. And if you want that, go to the Resource Center when it's over. So take out that bulletin, grab that pen, let's go get this church. Grab those teaching notes and let's go. Amen? Here's the definition that I hit early on. I share with you many leaders' definitions, but this was mine. Favor is God's supernatural anointing that descends upon his beloved believer. Who? Knowingly, or in my case it was unknowingly, wins the heart of God. This is what God wants for you. This is what is available for you. God's favor. God wants that, and I want that for you more than fame. More than fortune, more than good luck, more than whatever, I want to see favor in your life. That's my, I mean, that's, that's my deepest pastor's heart for you. If somebody were to ask me, as they did on Vision Day 10, and I shared that story, the thing I want most for you is to tap into the favor of God. And in Isaiah 61, the word of the Lord says this. Isaiah 61, let's read it out loud together ready church go arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord rises upon you arise shine for the light has come your light has come and the glory of the lord does what rises upon you guys it's time to arise this is an uplifting message This is an inspiring message. This is a new day for those of you who will tap into it. For those of you who will place yourself under the fountain of God's favor. This is God's dream for you if you will receive it. Now, if you study that phrase, if you study that phrase that God's glory, the glory of the Lord rises upon you, if you just take and do a a word study on that in the original language, this is what it means. It means God's favor, God's honor, and God's splendor is heavy on you. Heavy on you. It literally means that you, as a son or a daughter of the king, of the most high God, listen, is heavy. Heavy with God's glory. I'm talking heavy. Like this is going to be the only time you'll ever hear me to encourage you to be heavy. Like get a little heavy. Remember, remember in the 60s, it was, way, it was before my time. Uh, I was about to say way before my time, but it wasn't way before my time. It was before my time, though. I was born in 1970. Remember in the 60s, man, the hippies. How many of you were hippies? Come on, don't you be honest in church. Oh, okay. I saw, this is the hippie section eh? Let me do it one more time. How many of you are hippies? It really is. This is the hippie section. Okay. Well, you guys, remember when y'all were hippies, y'all would say, man, that's heavy. Remember that? That's heavy, man. This is the one time I'm going to encourage you to be heavy. Some of you need to get plump, hello, on the favor buffet. Some of you need to, to, to get a little more chunky, if you will. Some of you are so skinny that you have to jump around in the shower to get wet. I want to encourage you today to... See, I'm going to give you a new way to look at it. I want to encourage you today to get a little chunky. I remember when a group of New Hopers and I, we were on the plains of Kenya. And we had done our missions trip and we were wrapping up with a safari. And we got out there on the plains of Kenya and we, we, we encountered a big old herd of rhinos. And so we all started singing. I like them chunky, chunky.
1: It was awesome.
0: And one of the sisters in our group said, "I like them juicy, juicy." It was awesome. I don't know why I thought about that. My mind's jacked up. I want you to get. <laughs> I want you. To, I want you to get a little heavy today. Heavy today, and I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I want to teach you something today. I will give you a way to always remember the key that unlocks favor in your life. If you'll follow me today. You'll never ever forget it. I want to encourage you to be fat. To be fat. Take out your teaching notes if you haven't already. The first one. The first one. Listen church. Write it in. The first one is faithful. If you want to have favor in your life church. You have to get serious about being a faithful follower of Jesus. Favor follows faithfulness. You just got to know that. Some of you won't favor in your life, but you've never taken seriously the call of God to be faithful. I'm talking about obedience, church. I'm talking about actually believing that if God's word says it, then I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and when I fall short, I'm going to confess that and repent that. I mean, if you take a needle and you just run it through the thread of the last six weeks and the different teachers who have been teaching, the thread that kind of links it all together is this call to be faithful. Like, I say this at every Abundant Life membership class. For those of you who are members, you know this. I say, I've said it at every single one for 10 years. Toward the end of the Abundant Life class, I look the new members in the eye and I say, I want you to know this. I can't be bought. I'm not in a popularity contest. What you need to know about your pastor is I have one desire. Sure, I would love for some of you to like me, okay? We all want to be liked a little bit. But at the end of the day, that is not what I live for. I look him in the eye and I say, at the end of the day, what you need to know about this old boy is I have one goal and one goal only. I want to stand before God one day and hear him say those beautiful words, well done. Thy good and what? Faithful servant. That is my goal. And when you live like that, listen, if you seriously take that call and you live like that, God puts favor in your life. And when he knows that I have found someone who is living for my glory and my honor, living their life before an audience of one, he bestows favor upon that person. This is incredibly key. I was taking my kids to school the other day. And um, Caleb, my little eight-year-old Caleb, said to me, Hey, Dad, uh, can Christians get drunk? And I said, Well, Caleb... I said, yeah, they can. And Paul's and he goes, but Dad, why would a Christian get drunk? And I said, exactly, Caleb. I said, exactly. I mean, that's just one example. You've got Christians who who are, are saved by the grace of God. Now remember, this I'm not talking about salvation here in this series. I'm talking about how to tap into the favor of God. You might remember I said this. Favor is different from grace. Grace is undeserved. You can't do anything to earn or obtain grace. Amen? Amen. Can't do it. You are saved by the blood of Jesus who died on the cross for you. Amen? You are saved by that. That's salvation. But favor, on the other hand, is found. The Bible is full of instructions about how we can obtain favor. Favor is saying if God's word says it, I'm actually going to do it in every area of my life. I'm going to put my own feelings aside. I'm going to put the popularity contest to the side, and I'm going to follow. Now, it goes without saying that to do that, hello, you have to know the word of the Lord, right? Look at, look at what the word of the Lord says in Joshua. Joshua 1.8. Let's read this out loud. Are you ready? Go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Let's continue. For then you will make your way, and then you will have... We're talking about obedience. James would put it like this, James one twenty two. Do not merely listen to the word, but what? And so deceive yourselves. Do... What it says, obedience. Listen, obedience doesn't save you. I want to be clear for the theologians in the house. Obedience doesn't save you. Christ and Christ alone and His grace saves you. Amen, church? But obedience, a desire to be faithful, puts you in the fountain of God's favor. So in order to apply this, you got to ask yourself some questions. Let's think about your work life for a moment. In your work life, how closely does my life conform to godly guidelines and ethics? You want favor in your business, don't you? Everybody wants favor in your business. Well, then you got to ask yourself, how do I treat people? Do do I take advantage of people? Do I exploit people? Do I cheat customers? Do I overwork them? Do I justify it by, by saying I've got to get ahead and work needs me? And we do those things, and then and then we wonder why we don't have favor in our businesses, or in our vocational life, whatever it is you do, you don't get promotions, you don't do that. You, how are you? How are you working? Take take your personal life. Here's one Sabbath. In my personal life, am I obeying scriptures and observing Sabbath rest? Ooh. Am I? Are you? I mean, guys, come on. God rested. Who am I to think that if God rested, who am I to think that I don't need to rest? Many of us do not take Sabbath. We justify not resting by saying we're just doing our very best and they need more of my time. But listen, what we need most is not to do our best. What we need most is God to work on our behalf. The beautiful thing about Sabbath is I am letting go and realizing that the world is still going to turn without me. And the reason some of you are here and you struggle so hard with ever taking any time off, listen, it's because you worship productivity. And as long as you worship productivity instead of the God who can multiply your work, you will not tap into the favor of God. Students, 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 in my academic life, do I really think that God can bless me, if I cheat or cut corners, I mean, come on. Oh, and by the way, this this is not just for um, huh, this is not just for lay people. My wife is here, and uh, she can tell you that when we went to seminary, and I'm not sharing any of this in a judgmental way, but when we went to seminary, we met there in 1990. Um, faux. 1990. Faux. Uh, <laughs> We met in 1994, and um, we, we met quickly. And, I, and I, as I look back on seminary, I, I had two main shocks that I experienced. Two shocks. Here's the first one, how fast I met my wife. The first day of classes in the bookstore. Thank you, Jesus. Here, here was the second one, though, and I know she shares this with me. We, we were blown away. Again, not with a judgment. I know Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of the other. Please hear my heart here. I know that. But we were blown away at the extent to which seminary students would cheat, get drunk out of their mind, get stoned, and sleep around. I hate to shatter your your your, your preconceived images of seminary. Seriously. I We... We were appalled. You, you can't live like that, pastor or layperson. You can't live like that and expect the favor of God to come into your life. It just doesn't... It, it's, it's God. If God were to dispense favor upon a person in that situation, it cuts against the very character of who God is. First of all. Secondly... It contradicts God's word, and you need to know this. God will never contradict his word. That's an important point for you to know. How about in your marriage? In my married life, you need to ask this kind of question. Am I faithful to my spouse, or am I cheating on her with lust in my mind, porn in my eyes, and or physical affairs in my body? See, we all want a a favored marriage, right? We all want that. But we are not going to get that if we aren't living lives of integrity, lives of purity, lives of of committed faithfulness to our spouse. So, So the big final question, the Mac Daddy question, if you think about faithfulness is this. Am I living my life God's way? Am I living my life God's way? Am I being faithful? That Joshua said, Joshua that we read earlier said, said, you know, meditate on the, the word of the Lord. Here's the, here's the second one I'm gonna give you. Am I teachable? Hello. Am I teachable? This is so big. Lean in, church. This could be a full sermon, but it won't be. But I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to move pretty quickly. But this is so stinking important. Am I a teachable Christian? Or have I allowed myself to get prideful and arrogant and hard-hearted where nobody can teach me anything anymore? Like, have you noticed that children, have you noticed that children, they, they, don't, they, they don't get to be know-it-alls until they turn into teenagers? Have you noticed this? Like, have you ever met a little child, a little child that wasn't teachable? Check it out. I've got five kids. I've never had one of my little children say, Hey, Dad, don't read me another book. Just forget about it. Never had it happen. I've never had a, had a, a kid say, Hey, hey, let's not, let's not do that nursery rhyme again. Yesterday, I went out in the garage, and I went to crank my truck because I was running behind, and I had to go uh, to baseball practice, and, and it's kind of drafting, so we're drafting baseball in our league, drafting the players and all. And I put the key in the car, in the trucks I've been going all week long. Nothing happened. The battery had died. Some idiot by the name of Benji left the inside light on. Um, and so I, I, I get the jumper cables out, and Joshua and Caleb happen to be with me, and all the other kids are with Amy Lynn. And I start lifting the hood, and I start to get ready to jump. And, and my, my two smallest, Caleb and Joshua, they were just intrigued. And I felt kind of bad I hadn't taught them all this yet. They were intrigued with how you jump a car off. I mean, they were asking so many questions. I told them about the red on the positive and the black on the Hey, Dad, Dad, what, what will happen if you put the red on the negative? <laughs> I explained that. What would happen, Dad, if you put the, the black on the positive? Hey, Dad, should you, should you crank the car first or should you not? I mean, just, they're just, just teachable. Kids are enthusiastically teachable. They are enthusiastically teachable. And the Bible says this. Jesus said this. I tell you the truth, unless you change and become what? Like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Teachable. Listen, guys, favor follows a teachable spirit. Favor follows an enthusiastically teachable spirit. Are you teachable? I was out in Oklahoma two weeks ago with... Craig Groeschel. I mean, Craig Stinking Groeschel. This is the guy. Oh, my Lord. He's the pace setter. He's the Billy Graham of my generation. They got 15 campuses. They got about 25,000 people coming on a regular basis. That doesn't even include their internet community, which is the best in the world. Unbelievable. I spend the day with him, 19 other pastors that are in churches kind of like ours, and I'm spending the day with him. And later in the day, we go into what they call the war room. And in the war room, you come into this room, and it's this huge room, and there's 15 televisions built into the walls. And there's all these computers and knobs. And at any point in time on Sunday morning, any of his staff, particularly his executive, um, executive pastor, will come in, and with pushes of the button, he can see what is going on at all 15 of the campuses. And they got campuses in different states, not just in Oklahoma. And so um, we were sitting there, though, and he asked some questions, and, he, and we're just oh, I mean, we're just hanging on every word he says all day long, asking questions. But you know what I noticed throughout the day? Whenever any of us would share, if we shared something good, you know what Craig Rochelle was doing? I mean, guys, the Billy Graham, seriously, of, of the, the contemporary multi-site move, unbelievable leader. And I thought, I thought, there it is. There it is. A teachable spirit. Even in Craig Groeschel. You know that, that when pastors like that get together and talk about, uh, you know what we talk about sometimes? That there's typically two groups of people in the church. There is... The teachable group. And there is the unteachable group. Which are you? In most churches, there, there's this group that they, they come in and they're more spiritual than anyone else. They, the worship is never good enough for them. Whatever that means. Like, I'm sorry, I thought this was for God. Oh. So, so the worship is never good enough for them. The, the teaching comes, and they normally sit there like that. What you got for me, Pastor? You know? And they got this wall up. You can't show me anything, Pastor. Who do you think you are? I've, I've been in church my whole life. I've got it all figured out. I'll grade you, Pastor. How about that? Get you some of that. I'll grade you. Right? Right? It's that first group. It's that, it's that group that, that you, you can't ever... They're not teachable. They're not teachable on their own quiet time. If if, 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 the scripture, if the scripture feels good to them, they'll do it. If it doesn't, they won't. And then there's a second group of people. And the second group of people come in, usually, not always. I'm not saying you've got to have your Bible in your hand to be teachable. But, but I'm, just, I'm broad stroking here. The second group comes in with Bible in hand. Pen in hand. Are they still ours in the name of Jesus? And it's okay to steal our pens. We say that all the time. People, people sometimes, they, 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 they'll, they'll see that I see that they have a pen. I don't have a pen. Yeah, it's okay. Take the pen, and let's pray it lands on somebody's desk that needs Jesus, and they come to our church, right? It's all good. It's all good. But the, but the teachable person shows up with Bible and The teachable person grabs the teaching notes. The teachable person writes in the Bible or writes in their teaching. They're teachable. They're leaning in. They're hungry. Now, now here's my question. Come on, come on, come on. What group do you think God loves to bestow His favor upon? It's it's the teachable group. Without a doubt, it is the teachable group. Dr. Turner. Dr. Turner from Duke Divinity School. One of my favorite pastors, preachers of all time. He was the guy that I told you before that when I would preach, he'd stand in the back and say, Kelly! Get off my toes. You're stepping on my toes, Kelly. I'm gonna, I'm, I've decided this morning, in fact, I decided on my way into church, I need to try to get Dr. Turner up in here preaching. He lives in Durham. He is, you talk, he will preach the paint off of these walls. Dr. Turner can bring it. I love it. And, and he. Dr. Turner said this to me, and I, I never forgot it. I wrote it down when he said it in preaching class. If you don't get anything out of a sermon, the problem is most likely not the sermon. Hello, the problem is most likely your attitude. Now, some of you gonna be thinking about that on your way home. Because like we pastors know that sometimes what you do is you go to lunch and you have roast pastor for lunch. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. It doesn't bother me. But but the point is you when you become unteachable. Hello, hello. You pull yourself out of the equation of God's favor. Huge. You say, Well, I want something more than Dr. Turner. All right, how about some Solomon? Proverbs 1620. Whoever gives heed to instruction, what? What what? what? Prospers. Prospers. Here's, here's the last one. Available. Say available. Favor finders are available. When you think about it, it only makes sense that God would grant his favor to followers who are available. Who say, God, I am here. I am yours. Listen, this is why God doesn't waste his favor on negative, glass, half-empty, eeyore kinds of people. Why would he give you favor? Nobody wants to be around you anyway. Okay? Okay. This is why God doesn't waste his favor on prideful people. He'll save a prideful person. He'll save you in a heartbeat. But you can be saved and be all jacked up. You know this, don't you? Okay? This is why God doesn't waste his favor on, hello, stingy people. Ooh, On stingy people. So me like, I want favor. And, and you're just stingy. You white knuckle everything you get in life. I love you enough to tell you, you will not get favor. Okay? Being stingy. You might say, well, I know some stingy people are as rich as all get out. I'm not equating favor with richness. Remember? Remember? We're not talking about that kind of favor. That might come with it at times, but we're talking about favor where the glory of God is heavy on me and spills out into other people because I'm walking in the favor of God. This is why God doesn't waste His favor on unavailable people. But listen, God loves, He loves to give favor to the available man, to the available woman, who says, God, whatever you want me to do, I will do. Listen, here's what I know about some of you. Here's what I know about probably all of you, most of you anyway. You sincerely love God. Like you're here because you love God. But some of you are here and you've loved God for a long time, but you've never been able to make the move from loving God to moving toward action when God leads you to do something. It's it's a mark of maturity. It doesn't always happen in maturity. Sometimes it happens like for me. Like I said, I was just stupid enough to start doing it right away. But when you, when you actually actually move in action to work towards something that God has laid upon your heart, you make yourself a candidate for favor. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to sound sacrilegious to some of you, and some of you are going to get all mad. Don't send me an email, please. Actually, you can. You can send it to Benji at idontgiveaflip.com. Listen to me, listen, listen. listen to me. Some of you are here. And this is what you say when God speaks. Well, I'm just going to pray about that. I'm going to sound sacrilegious, but please stick with me. Give me, give me the benefit of the doubt. And seriously, I do want to hear from you. If you disagree with this, grab me afterwards. Let's talk about it. Some, some of us, I see this all the time, Christians who love God, like I said, they're saved, and they hear a stirring message, or they read a stirring passage of Scripture, and they hear God's voice, they hear that still, small voice, tell them to do something, and they say, I'm going to pray about it. And in those cases, listen, prayer, oh, I, I believe this in the core of my being, prayer becomes an excuse to be spiritually lazy. You don't need to pray if God says, I want you in ministry. Why would you pray about it? He's already said it. You don't need to pray. Well, I heard, boy, that message on tithing. Woo! Things stirred me, convicted me. I saw it in Scripture. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Pastor. I'm going to pray about it. And here's what happens. You commit to praying about it, and you don't pray about it. And if you do, it's like, God, I just don't know about that one. And and then, and then in, in, in a matter of hours, literally hours, psh, that thing's passed. Some of you have sat here, guys. Some of you have sat here, and you've heard missionaries speak. And you've seen videos. You've seen the wells that we're building in Kyria, Kenya. You've seen what we're doing in Haiti. And that still small voice has said, go. Go. And you've said, I'll pray about it. And we cloak it in this spiritual, religious, Pharisaic, I'll pray about it. And we say, no, in the end of the day. And some of you have been hearing, God has said to you, get in a life group, do life with people. You quit being an island unto yourself and you've you've been stirred and moved and you've even marked the connect card. And we contact you and you say, I'm praying about it. And here it is, here it is. It is an excuse to be lazy and disobedient. You tweet this. My pastor said, sometimes you don't need to pray. Put that on Facebook. Seriously. Just, I'm thinking of Michael Jordan and Nike for some reason. Just do it. Because every time God tells you to do something and you say, I'm going to pray about it, nope. Every time God tells you to go on a mission trip and you say, nope. Every time God says, hey, you're called to bring 10% into my house and I say, nope. And every time God says, hey, you really need to get off your butt and serve in ministry. And you say, I'm going to pray about it, nope. Every time you say, nope, 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 nope. God says, okay, I'm going to leave you. And I'm going to go find a favor finder who will say yes. It's huge. Huge. I was walking out the door the other day. Just, I was going for a jog. And for some reason, it's like I heard that still small voice. God put a verse of scripture on my heart. And I didn't know why. And so I just kind of went for a run. And I just kind of meditated on that verse of scripture. I didn't even know that I was going to work it into the message today. But the scripture says this, 2 Chronicles sixteen nine. For the eyes of the Lord... I can't hear you. Troy, can I get a little something here? Come on, bro. Um, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord search throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed, what? To Him. Now, now get the picture. God is searching. God, ours is a searching God. Amen? And He's searching for favor... He's searching for fat people. Put that on Facebook too. My pastor told me I should be fat. And they'll say, really? You might get somebody here just because of that. And we'll explain it to them later. (laughs) He searches the land, beloved. Looking for the person who is faithful. Looking for the person who is available. Looking for the teachable one. And when he finds them, listen, when he finds them, he cuts on that that mysterious fountain of his favor. And he lets it flow. And it flows on that fat person. And it flows on the people that are in that person's life. It just flows. And he searches. I'm so glad you've been a part of this six-week series. And I'll stop where I started. I want favor for you, beloved. I I want it so bad for you. And I I want it for me, and I want it all the days of my life, and I want it for my wife, and I want it for my kids, and I want it for the church that I get to serve. I'm a big John Wesley fan. You guys know that. You hear me quote from him quite often great 18th century revivalist, reformer out of the church of England one of my favorite quotes by Wesley he said give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God and I care not a straw whether they be clergy or lay people because with them alone we can shake the very gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven On earth. In other words. Give me 100 favor finders. And God will shake. The gates of hell. And set up his kingdom. On planet earth. We're about to move into a song. Which is why I wanted my sister to start playing there. We're about to move into a song where. I know we normally tell you to stand. Stand. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to ask you to stay seated and just think about what you've heard. And I'm going to ask you, when you feel the Spirit of God move in your life, if you do, and that you are willing and ready and able to stand up, we're singing a song, Arms Open Wide. I lay my life down to you, it says. Arms open wide. When and if so. In other words, I don't envision everybody standing up at the same time. And I envision some of you maybe not standing up at all. Because you might be here today and you might be, you know what, I ain't, I'm not ready for that. I, I can't. I, We're glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. You just keep coming. You just take your time. God will get a hold of you. But for those of you who are here and you love God. And this, this series has tapped you. It's touched you. It's resonated in your soul. And for those of you who are here and you won't favor in your life. As the worship arts team leads us in this song. And as you feel led, you stand. And you open your heart. And you open your mind. And if you feel comfortable, you open your arms. The song is Arms Open Wide. You open your arms if you feel comfortable. And you let this be a time of commitment. An invitation. I'm going to stand to that song because I'm going to live all the days of my life being a favor finder. And I'm going to do so by integrating these teachings over the last six weeks into my life. I'm going to listen to them again and again and again if I have to. And I'm going to walk out of here today more committed than I've ever been before to being faithful, to being available, to being teachable. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Father God, I want to thank you for this day. Father, I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your, the life that you gave on Calvary through Jesus. God, I ask that, that in this moment that we do not do anything to conform to peer pressure or crowd or anything. God, I pray that your spirit would move. And I pray that in this moment, this song would actually be a time in which your beloved daughters and sons... If your spirit moves, if they desire favor, would actually stand to their feet and sing this song as a way to declare to you, God, not to me as their pastor, but to you, God, here I am. Take my life. I'm tired of playing games. God, when you speak, I'm going to move. When you teach, I'm going to listen. God, I'm going to live my life, not for those around me, not by peer pressure. I'm going to live my life before an audience of one with the ultimate desire is to stand before you one day and hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.